I have talked to so many people who are diagnosed with type 1 diabetes during the pandemic. And as you can imagine, being diagnosed during the pandemic brought on a lot of challenges for people. And now, these challenges are continuing as people are returning to the office and having to deal with coworkers and life with diabetes at work. Tara was diagnosed during the pandemic, and when she returned to the office, she experienced some challenges that she never imagined. People making rude comments, having to explain herself, as well as explain what diabetes is and how it's managed, and how it's impacting her, her life, and people's perception of her ability to do her job. And spoiler alert, it's not impacting her ability to do her job one bit. Welcome to the Live Free with T1D podcast, brought to you by the Diabetes Psychologist. This is the only podcast that coaches you through a five-step plan for how to manage a stress of type 1 diabetes. We do this by helping you build the critical parts of your diabetes management like a sailboat. You are the captain, the hull of the boat is your diabetes knowledge and management, the sails are your mindset, the rudder is your behavior, and the crew is your support team. If you build the five parts of your sailboat correctly, you'll find smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. Each week, I coach someone just like you with type 1 diabetes on how to optimize their sailboat. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and in this episode of the podcast, we're focusing on the hull and the crew. Having support from people in your life with type 1 diabetes is so important. And that goes for your friends and family, but also your coworkers. And when people at work don't understand diabetes or make assumptions about it, it can make your life really challenging. On this episode of the podcast, I'm coaching Tara about how she can best deal with her coworkers now that she's coming back to the office with type 1 diabetes. We talk about how she can educate them and some tricks that she can use to set boundaries with her coworkers so they don't get in her business when she doesn't want them to, but also so they can offer her the support that she needs. If you were diagnosed during the pandemic, you're returning to the office, or you're worried about how people perceive you at work because you have type 1 diabetes, this episode is gonna help you so much. Welcome, Tara, glad you're here today. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, you bet. Yeah, so uh, um, my name is Tara. I have been living with type 1 diabetes for two and a half years. Um, I was diagnosed on my 26th, 27th birthday, um, misdiagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and then correctly diagnosed with type 1 diabetes um, four months later. So I've been kind of navigating the challenges and the ins and outs of diabetes um, for about two and a half years now. So, and before you go on, I want to hear about being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes during that pandemic, because I know that a lot of listeners have experienced that, but a lot of us haven't um, because we were diagnosed uh, long ago or more recently. And I want to hear about what that was like, one being misdiagnosed, but also when you weren't around people and you were, it was everything, lots of things were virtual and you weren't seeing people on a regular basis, what was it like for you? So being diagnosed during the pandemic was challenging, but also made managing diabetes a little bit easier on me as somebody who was newly diagnosed. Um, So when I was diagnosed, I was very afraid. I felt very isolated. I didn't know how to even find community or kind of figure out the steps um, because as I'm sure many of you know, when you're diagnosed, 
you're handed some pamphlets, you're sent on your way and you're told to get your blood checked, you know, every, um, or get your labs done every few months. Um, so getting diagnosed during the pandemic was challenging in an isolation sort of way, but it also made it a little bit easier for me to figure it out because I was able to take my time. I didn't have to worry um, about, you know, getting to work and dealing with it there or um, dealing with it in public because when I was diagnosed, we were only two months into the, the pandemic. So oh, wow. everything was closed. Um, we couldn't really go anywhere. We couldn't go to work. Um, even going to the hospital was a one person experience. So I was diagnosed by myself. My husband was not with me. I had no family with me. Um, so it was a bit of a traumatic, you know, introduction to diabetes. Um, but it was nice that I was able to kind of take my time to process that diagnosis and to be able to do that from the comfort of my own home. Um, and I grew used to that um, over the you know course of that year. As I said, I was misdiagnosed. So I, I thought I had type two. So they really pushed, you know, you can reverse this. You can, if you just work out really hard and you change your diet, um, you'll be able to get out of this. So I did that. I, you know, became very food obsessed. I became very um, workout obsessed and I worked really hard to do exactly what the doctor said. And then um, a few months later in September, they were doing labs again and they were couldn't really understand why my blood sugars weren't changing when I was losing weight and I was doing the things they were saying. And they finally tested me, found out I had type 1 diabetes, which was kind of a shock to the system um, because I had it, had it I had it in my brain that I was going to be able to, you know, get out of this, which I'm sure many of us who have been misdiagnosed have been told, you know, here's the steps you do and you'll be you'll be out of this, um, which wasn't the case. And it was kind of a whole new set of emotions I had to navigate. Um, so as soon as I found out that I had type one, that meant that I was now going to be changing my insulin situation. I was going to be, you know, taking short um, short acting and long acting insulin. Um, and then the doctors basically said, you can eat whatever you want. All you have to do is take insulin for it, which was, um, again, a little bit traumatic for me after thinking I was going to be kind of, you know, getting out of it. Right. Um, so it was a huge shock to the system to kind of have that diagnosis again, but it was also, it was helpful during the pandemic because I was again, able to navigate, um, doing my injections and, and finding this new pattern while at home. So I was able to take my short acting insulin whenever I needed to, if I was eating or if I was um, correcting or doing whatever, I could just do it at home. Nobody was going to see me. I never had to think about comments coming from people or, you know, interacting with the public really. Um, so then fast forward um, a little bit. And now the pandemic is kind of, you know, simmered down a little bit in a way that I'm, you know, back in a work setting or I'm back in, um, you know, going places in public. And it's kind of created new challenges for me um, that I didn't really consider before, which is how do I navigate diabetes while also trying to live my life and live as, you know, a normal person um, as I'm moving throughout my, you know, everyday life. So that has been um, a challenge for me. And so it sounds like the reintegration into work is the challenge that you want to talk about now. I know that this, this, this integration is not new for you. You've been doing it for quite a while now, but 
it sounds like it has posed some challenges that you want some help with. So let's talk about the challenges of reintegrating with diabetes into work. So diabetes is new work is new-ish for you because you haven't been there in a while or haven't been in an office in a while. And that has brought about a whole new set of challenges for you. So tell us a little bit about those and what um, what's challenging for you right now. Yeah, so work is definitely a new layer that I never, I hadn't really thought about for most of my diagnosis. Um, so trying to figure out how to go into my work setting and go to meetings and host events and do the things that I had always been doing, but now also have to think about my blood sugars and be very aware of if I was going to a meeting, do I need to bring low snacks? And do I need to have my alarms on? Can I have my alarms on? Um, what to do if my blood sugar is high or low? And, and just navigating that um, in a work set, setting has been pretty difficult for me because I struggle to balance both of them. Um, so I've caught myself in situations where I'm in a meeting and my sugar is climbing, it's 250, it's 270, and it just keeps going up. And I don't want to draw attention to myself. So I will just wait until I'm alone and then I will treat it. Um, then I will take my insulin um, or do what I need to do to kind of reevaluate my situation and to bring my sugars back toward the comfortable range. And um, I lived on multiple daily injections for most of my diagnosis. Um, so up until um, about three months ago, or excuse me, actually one month, I think. So it's very new to me. So I was even more self-conscious to treat my sugars when I was in a work setting because I didn't want to whip out a needle in the middle of a room with a bunch of people who maybe have never seen it before, never seen me ingest, might not even know I have diabetes. Um, and having to share that information is very helpful, but it's also intimidating. And it it's just another situation where you're drawing attention to, towards yourself. Um, so it's made me a bit anxious, um, stressed out, and self-conscious are kind of the three words I would use to describe dealing with diabetes uh, currently in a workplace. Um, because you are thinking about so much more than work. You're constantly thinking about where your blood sugars are and if you have to kind of whip out, you know, your pump or your um, insulin pen or whatever it is um, in a situation where people might be present has been um, difficult for me. Do you think that your experience at work right now would have been different if you were diagnosed 10 years ago? And so diabetes isn't new to you, but it's maybe new to the people you're working with. Or how do you think you would approach it differently being newly diagnosed versus maybe if you have been have had diabetes for longer? I think if I had had, you know, diabetes for about 10 years at this point, I think it would be easier for me to navigate because I would already kind of have the skills and the understanding of like what to expect and how people might, you know, maybe look at me or ask questions. I would already have so many years of experience of, of navigating that. Whereas uh -huh. I think right now kind of still processing my diagnosis um, while also trying to educate people, you know, in a work setting and then also having to um, figure out and treat my diabetes has it has been challenging. Um, and I think that if I had had it for, you know, 10 years at this point, it would be easier for me because I would know what I'm doing. I would just, and I wouldn't, I don't think I would be as, um, 
um, I, I don't think I would care as much about what people mm. think. And I think right now I care so much because I'm, mm. I'm so aware of my diabetes. Yeah. And I think that, so I think what would be happening or people's reactions to you would be no different. It would be exactly the same as it is now, but how you deal with that stress and those reactions would be probably a little, or maybe even a lot different than it is now. So you mentioned when you're like, for example, when you're in a meeting and your blood sugar is going high, you're, you may be reticent, especially when you're on MDI to treat that. And so that, and that, that's, you know, the strategy that you were using for that. We'll get to that in a minute, but I want to hear when somebody makes a comment to you or they ask a question, or, um, you mentioned before we got on that you had a coworker whose his a partner had or has diabetes. And so he was asking questions that were making you a little uncomfortable. What has been your strategy for responding to those questions that catch you off guard? Ooh. I'm, you know, I think that currently I don't have a strategy. I think okay. that I tend to, you know, kind of go into like defense mode or I kind of panic a little and I just, you know, will either shut down and like be like, mm. oh yeah, you know, and, and, and kind of let their comments pass over me. Um, I wish that I had, you know, stronger skills, in, especially in a conversation setting to both acknowledge what they're saying um, without it acknowledge what they're saying, but not let it impact me too much. Um, mm-hmm. Because like, especially in a work setting, when I had that, you know, that coworker who was making comments uh, because they felt really comfortable with me because we, you know, bonded over that. I was excited to hear about somebody else who had a connection to the diabetes world in, you know, my life, you know, here, not online or, or anything like that. It was kind of one of those first people I came in contact with. But then they started asking me about my blood sugars every day and they wouldn't ask about me and they would just, you know, ask how my numbers were. Um, And instead of, you know, finding ways to stand up for myself and to advocate for myself while also having like a polite conversation, I would just shut down um, Mm. and I would either laugh it off or I would kind of push past it really fast so I wouldn't have to have the conversation. Like I find sometimes it's exhausting to constantly have to be prepared to talk about your diabetes, especially at work when you're already so busy with other things. Um, so navigating those conversations for me has either been, you know, I, I use my distractions of, of mm-hmm. pushing past the conversation or I will just kind of laugh it off and, and move on. I talk to people with type 1 diabetes every day. And every day is clear to me that people with T1D need a plan. They need a plan to follow to manage the emotional burden of living with diabetes. Without a plan to manage stress, life with diabetes is overwhelming. You feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose, and you have no idea how to feel steady on your feet and find the peace of mind you're looking for. You feel like diabetes takes away your freedom to live a normal life. A plan to manage the emotional burden of T1D is very simple. There are five frameworks you need to know. And if you know these five frameworks, you have a plan for how to deal with any stress diabetes throws your way. With this plan, you'll be clear about what you're doing right now and what you need to do next. That's exactly what you get when you join Live Free with T1D. At Live Free with T1D, I coach you to manage the stress of type 1 diabetes like a sailboat. You are the captain. The hull of the boat 
is your diabetes knowledge and management. The sales are your mindset, the rudder is your behavior, and your crew is your support system. If you build the five parts of your sailboat correctly, you'll be sailing smoothly with type 1 diabetes. All of that is part of the plan that's available to you when you join Live Free with T1D. Plus, as part of Live Free with T1D, I host a live coaching event every month where you get access to me and have the opportunity to ask me questions and even get personalized coaching. To join Live Free with T1D, go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. Join other people with type 1 diabetes just like you who have a plan to find peace of mind and freedom in their lives with type 1 diabetes. I think that's something that a lot of the listeners can probably relate to. Having you being uncomfortable, whether it's around diabetes or around something else in their life, and just trying to move past it. However, I think that there's something, an important lesson here is that when that coworker was asking you questions or when coworkers make comments, it's easy to see it, see it as being an attack on you or maybe, or, or, uh, you know, them looking down on you and saying, you know, oh, Tara had diabetes, poor thing. Um, but I think sometimes with our support team, it can be helpful to look at it from their perspective and kind of just see why he's saying that. And I don't know. I don't know this guy, but my guess is he's saying that because he doesn't know what else to say. He wants to have a conversation and he, that, that's common ground for him. Uh, people will give you advice or say, can you eat that or whatever that is, um, not because they're being uh, they're shaming you or they want to shame you, even though that's how it feels, but because they want to be helpful, but they have no idea how to be helpful. And so that perspective shift with your support system, whether it's your husband or your mom or a coworker or somebody on the street, um, is a helpful way of softening your approach to it and giving you some, some perspective there. One thing that I want to suggest to you, and we can work on this right now if you want to kind of brainstorm, is it can be helpful in, in the moment when someone makes a comment to you, especially if it's unexpected and not appropriate to the relationship that you have with the person, you know, because certainly we have different boundaries with different people. Um, not only are we processing it emotionally, we probably feel it in our body because you're like, oh my gosh, I feel uncomfortable right now. You're also processing how to respond in your mind. And for many of us, that can be system overload. It's just, it's too much to kind of do. And so that's why you're freezing. That's why you're backing away and totally natural. But the way around that is not to try to avoid being overloaded, but to have a script about what you're going to say. And it can be just a one-liner that you say to everybody, you know, what's your blood sugar? How are you doing today? And you say, that's just not something I share right now, or that's not something I'm, com- I'm comfortable sharing with you, or my blood sugars are just fine. Thanks for asking. Um, and just having that go-to um, way of responding to those questions, um, it's really about you and your comfort level of how do I make sure that this is staying in a place where I'm comfortable with it being. And having that preparation done can be a great strategy to cut off any further conversation, but also not have you trapped like a deer in headlights when those comments come about. So I'm curious, as you hear that, what would be a helpful um, 
line that you can use that would be comfortable for you and authentic to you um, when those types of questions come up, whether they're from a coworker or from somebody that you meet in a restaurant or at a coffee shop or something else like that. Any ideas for that? Hmm. That's a great question. I feel like I like the idea of like acknowledging them and acknowledging, you know, the appreciation for the thought mm-hmm. behind asking. Um, Cause I do often not put, I don't put myself in their shoes of like why they might be asking those questions. Mm-hmm. So I think that that you're right. It definitely becomes kind of like a, I feel the need to explain myself or defend myself mm-hmm. um, or shut down. So I, I like the idea of maybe saying, you know, you know, I appreciate your thought behind asking that, um, mm-hmm. Right now I'm doing okay. Um, and maybe finding a way to to just say like, I'm doing well. Like, thank you so much for asking. Um, even if I'm not doing well, I think would be interesting to navigate. But I guess it would depend on how comfortable I am sharing beyond that if I said I wasn't doing well. Right. And I think that, but I think having that that line, it's like, thanks for asking, I appreciate it, but that's just not information that I share. Or thanks for asking, I appreciate your concern. Mm-hmm. I'm doing really well. I'll let you know if I need any help. Um, is a great just Ooh, line yeah. that you can use. And whatever, you want to find something that, that fits into the way that you talk and the way that you act, but that pulling it out of out of your back pocket, if you will, and just repeating that line can be really helpful. It's like a talking point. I mean, this is a bad metaphor or an analogy, but you know, you go to the grocery store and the checker at the grocery store says, how are you doing today? And everyone says, fine, fine, fine. And the thing is that when someone doesn't say fine, they say, oh man, I had an awful day today. My my dog is really sick and in the hospital or um, the, the, the checker gets kind of caught off guard because right. we have our go-to phrases for them and they have their go-to phrases for us. And we want to make, keep it equilibrium. Now with diabetes, it's a little bit different, but when you're caught off guard, you want to be able to have that go-to phrase that is a signal to them. And also just, to, but it shows your confidence that you can um, do this. On the same note, I think that with coworkers and people that you're meeting with diabetes, having the maybe a two-liner for this one about what diabetes is. Oh, you have type 1 diabetes. What is that? And being able to have just a really brief script that you write. Mm. That, um, again, is authentic to yourself. It's like, but what is it and why, and why are you doing this in this room right now um, can be a really, really helpful way of just, you know, being genuine, authentic, and uh, real, but also not going too far and over explaining and not uh, trying to make everybody feel good, but having those words to be, to lean back on and to memorize um, can be a a helpful way of calming that anxiety and making yourself feel prepared to handle these work situations, which can be uncomfortable. So yeah, I I want to encourage I feel like, I'm sorry. I want to encourage you to um, write that script for yourself and just like, and you don't have to obviously don't have it. You're not going to have it in your back pocket. You'll, you'll memorize it and you, and you may iterate it on it as time goes on, but it has just those, those couple of lines that you can use um, your elevator pitch, for example, uh, for, for diabetes can be helpful. So I want to shift gears for a second and go back to, um, you know, how you're managing diabetes in, at work, because my, my guess is for you, Tara, you want to, make diabetes, you want to make your life as little about diabetes as possible. Meaning that like you want to, you want to be there doing your job and you want to be there having fun and being seen as a person capable. Um, and you feel that managing diabetes at work could diminish from that. And is that an accurate statement? You don't want to draw attention to yourself. You don't want people thinking, thinking differently about you. Correct. Yes. Especially yeah. since 
um, I was diagnosed when I've already worked there for mm-hmm. a little bit of time. So like they already know me and I'm not coming mm-hmm. in as somebody who like, it's not, they already know who I was before my diagnosis. Um, right. So that, yeah, it was a new, a new thing to kind of, you know, work through. And it's definitely something that hindered me um, mm-hmm. in a professional setting um, due to the fact that I just don't want it to get in my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we can attack this from a couple of different directions, but I'm going to, one is mindset, which I'm actually going to put aside for a minute. And the other one is, is just diabetes management and like really focusing on, you know, how, how you're thinking about your diabetes and also how you're managing it. And my bet is if you're in a meeting and your blood sugar is going, you know, shooting high, going 300, 350, however high it's going, that is probably distracting you from the meeting, both just knowing that it's high, but also probably not feeling very well. Yes. Would you say that's true? 100%. Yes. Yeah. It makes it very so, difficult. Yeah. Makes it difficult to, to do what? To be able to, you know, do the job that I was hired to do, to be able to mm-hmm. focus and to get things done. Um, so I get very overwhelmed sometimes by the numbers. Um, diabetes, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're looking at our numbers constantly. They're always yep. there. They're always available to me um, to be able to check them. And mm-hmm. dealing with that, especially, you know, at work and seeing that, it makes it very easy to kind of forget the, the important things that I'm supposed to be focusing on, which is the job at hand. Right. And so, but when you, when your blood sugar is high, it makes it hard. My guess is if your blood sugar was in range or closer to range, it would be easier. So I want you to see that by not managing your diabetes or by ignoring it because you don't want to draw attention to yourself at work, you're probably actually drawing more attention to yourself in a different way, but in a way that's much less comfortable, both because emotionally, but also, you know, I've been there before when you're 300 at work and you're feeling awful. Um, it's, it's hard to show up as you want to. And so diabetes management and both the understanding of what diabetes is, how it's managed, but also actually doing the tasks of managing your blood sugars, even when it becomes embarrassing or you become self-conscious actually is one of the pillars of mental health. Because if you're not, then all of a sudden now your mind is completely on diabetes as as opposed to the thing that you want it to be on. And Mm -hmm. as another tip or another thought for you, when we we think people are thinking about us more, much more than we think they are, or much more than they actually are, sorry. Um, and so, you know, you you take an injection or pull out your pump or now pull out, probably pull out your phone and, and blow us from your phone. Um, but when you're on MDI, you pull out a, a pen and, and take an injection at lunch or during a meeting, you probably have the perception that everyone is looking at you. And I would be willing mm-hmm. to bet that if you were to ask them after, do a poll after the meeting about who noticed, um, Maybe a couple of them noticed. If there's 10 people in the room, maybe three people actually noticed. And probably zero people remember you doing it 10 minutes later. And so kind of keeping it from that perspective of looking at the people around you and they, they, they don't care about what you're doing as much as you think that they are. And seeing it from that perspective, but also seeing it from the importance of managing your diabetes and how not is detracting your ability to actually do your job and show up as you want to. Um, you can see that the strategy that you have been using, while it makes sense on paper, seems to backfire and actually make things mm-hmm. even more challenging for you. And so I just want to kind of give you that perspective um, to experiment 
you know, see what happens. And if you want to pull your coworkers, go for it. If you just want to, you know, pull out your pump or pull out your pen and, and inject, do it and see what the reaction is because you don't know what that's going to be until you do it. You may do it and find out that, that it's a horrible experience. If that's the case, don't do it again. But you also may find out, pull it out and do it, find out that um, no one notices or if they do notice, they won't care. And that gives you information that can really help you as you're moving forward in making sure that you're able to focus on the things that are important to you as opposed to focusing on your blood sugars. And when your blood sugar is sky high, um, there's only one thing you're focusing on, and that is your sky high blood sugar and how you feel, both emotionally and physically. Mm -hmm. So I hope that that has been helpful for you in kind of thinking about how to deal with this at work. You know, as like just a quick recap, we want you to think about some scripts that you can use both about explaining what diabetes is, as well as to respond to those, those rude, inconsiderate comments, as well as seeing the comments from the perspective of your support team or your coworkers, you know, why are they making those comments? That can, th those two strategies together, I think can really help you. And then also, you know, making sure that you're focusing on your management, because the more you focus on your management, ironically, the less you think about it, the less you think about diabetes, um, the more, the less you focus on your management, your goal is to ignore diabetes, the more it comes back and bites you. And so we want to make sure that you are spending your time and effort and self-consciousness um, in, in a way that's going to be most helpful for you. So um, I hope this has been helpful for you. I've enjoyed having you on the podcast today and thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. And I think one of the first things I'm going to do is create a script that I'm comfortable with just whipping out. So I'm very excited to, to do that. So thank you. Amazing. At the end of each episode, I give you a plan of action that you can use in your life to tap on diabetes right now in order to reduce your stress and increase your confidence. And your plan of action for today is write your script. Take out a piece of paper and write down one to two lines that describe exactly what type 1 diabetes is. So when someone in your life asks you about diabetes, you know exactly what to say. Also, write down one or two lines that you can use when someone asks you a question that you really don't want to answer about type 1 diabetes. This will give you the confidence that you need to go into situations knowing that you have the ability to respond to whatever question comes your way and be able to set appropriate boundaries. Thanks so much for joining me on the Live Free with T1D podcast, where I teach you how to build your diabetes management plan like a sailboat so you can have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. And I'll see you back here next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.